So I was a youth ministry intern in 2003 at this Baptist church that held an annual Hell House type of event at Halloween. They called it the Tribulation Tour. So I was tasked that year, though, to dress up as some sort of hillbilly gravedigger, you know, overalls, flannel shirts, fake Billy Bob teeth, and scare the mess out of kids walking through my particular scene. And I think, though, it was somewhere around night two or three of this routine that I witnessed another youth volunteer chewing out a group of three or four of these kids in the hallway of the church because they had gotten so scared, they ran into a water fountain and knocked it loose from the wall. I literally heard her say the words, don't you realize that this is the house of God? And it was at that moment, while I was standing there in my full hillbilly attire, that I realized something was completely broken about how we were communicating the gospel. Damn, I'm glad I Hey everyone, welcome to Unlearning Youth Group for the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learn back in youth group. We find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. We have Matt, my name is Jonathan Carone, and we're joined as always by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. What is up? So glad you're with us in, uh, what are, is this season three that we're uh, we're rolling season through? Season three in our relationships month. Yeah, it's February. Love is, love is in the air. Youth groups are planning all their cheesy relationship talks. It's It's a great time. Unless you're listening to this in July, which, hey, hope your summer's doing well. Exactly. But today I'm scared. I'm really scared because this is probably the hardest conversation we've had on this show. And it's one that I typically end up saying stupid stuff that I like just word vomit. So I'm very careful with what I say around this topic because today we're talking about homosexuality and the way we approach that in youth group. And Eric, I think you're on the same page as me. I'm not scared about getting canceled by progressives. I'm not scared about being called heretics by the conservatives. I'm scared because this is a topic I'm still learning and wrestling with things about. And the last thing I want to do, because I end up saying stupid stuff all the time, I don't want to say something that's inadvertently rude or dismissive or unloving or anything like that. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, I know that we've got some political episodes planned for future seasons. So spoiler alert, you know, mark your calendars. But I think this is very similar to those situations where you're right. Like the people that are on polar opposite sides of this issue are not who I'm concerned about. Um, I'm concerned more along the lines of like the people that uh, that are living this every day and how these words can affect those people. Um, and so I think that's where, where my big concern lies. And, and you've talked about it before too, with the, with the whole, like going to college and other things like that. Like once you're exposed to other people and other viewpoints, um, your, your religious perspective on, um, on kind of, let's just say on, on like theoretical topics start to become real. And I know one thing that's, that's really changed in over the decades that it's been since I've been in youth group age or leading youth group is that my, uh, my viewpoint has expanded on this because of, uh, interactions with people who, um, you know, identify as, as homosexual, uh, or in, even in the LGBTQ plus community, which we're not going to get into, this time. 
Yeah, it's amazing how once you're exposed to people who believe differently than you, or even have a different perspective on your same beliefs, how that can change how you approach things. So before we even get into it, I do want to say our goal for today is not to convince you one way or the other on a theology of homosexuality. Like we're not getting into, is it right? Is it wrong? We're going to present some ideas, but that is more than a 30 minute conversation. So instead, what we want to do today is talk about how we approached homosexuality in youth group in the nineties and two thousands, how we approached it in church, even some today, we're going to discuss what was bad about their approach. Like we always do and try to figure out, was there anything good about how we approach this mm-hmm. and how do we move forward to approach the topic better as we train up the next generation? How can we train up a generation of kids and students who love people well and love Jesus at the same time? So that's a big conversation. We're trying to tackle it today, but I think it's worth struggling together about. Yeah. And I love that you bring that up because in our, in our prep for this, which, you know, contrary to popular belief, we do prep for these episodes most of the time. Uh, but, uh, in our prep for this, you know, you, you brought up the, that point about how, uh, really the, the two, two seasons plus six episodes up to this point, we've really been trying to help people who are struggling through some of these topics since youth group or leading kids in youth group. And this is one, not that, not that I haven't struggled with any of the topics that we've talked about so far, but I think you're going to hear us talking through it out loud and giving an example of what it looks like to kind of wrestle with, with what's a very complex topic, just like a lot of these things. And so, yeah, spot on. I, I'm, I don't plan on giving a lot of uh, theological absolutes through this one, but more so trying to figure out maybe where were we going wrong and uh, what can we agree on moving forward to try and train up, uh, as you said, to train up the next generation of students and leaders. So Eric, as we get started, how did we approach homosexuality in youth group? How did we present the topic and what were most of us taught? And at the same time, what did we teach when we were in student ministry as well? Yeah. I think when I was growing up, um, you know, anything that was, was talked about from the church was big time. Like the church has, has some weird fascination over the sins that had to do with what you did with someone else while you were naked. You know, it was like, it was like anything having to do (laughs) with you and your naked body. The church was just, that was, that just seemed to be the thing that, that was talked about. And so what you wore on the pedestal and purity on, yeah, you put the, (laughs) come on, man, (laughs) but you put the the purity on the pedestal, you know, what are you doing with other people alone, all that kind of stuff. And it, it like, it was just weird. And and then homosexuality became the worst sin of all. And and maybe it wasn't directly presented that way, but boy, the emphasis sure was. Like the worst thing you could be was gay. The worst thing that could happen was you had same-sex attraction. And that was from not only a student, you know, the the we'll say participants perspective, but also from a parent perspective, like that's gonna ruin your family. It's like it's if you had a choice between uh uh be, you know, being pregnant before you were married or being gay, like, oh man, it's just the worst thing that could have, could be possible. And it's like really the only sin, uh, that was talked about as a sin that became like, this is who you were. This is an identifier for you. And like, you just, you had this, 
this label and you read it in scripture a lot about, you know, you've got the, uh, the adulterers and the fornicators and the blah, blah, but we don't, we don't use those labels on people, but we do when it comes to, or at least we, we did in, uh, in youth group when it, when it comes to that society has shifted a little bit on the labels and identities, but man, it, it was like, you were just branded or that person was branded with, uh, being the biggest sinner of all sinning. And uh, so, I mean, I think it led to a lot of bad things, including dehumanizing people because you're just labeling them based on what you've categorized as a sin. And, uh, and I think, you know, you've talked about it before too, but like when you penalize people for doing bad things, uh, quote unquote, bad things, all it makes them want to do is hide those bad things and not talk about it. And so it created, I think probably the worst of all is it created an environment where we, we just absolutely couldn't even talk about the situation because to even bring it up, you know, Oh, do you have thoughts? Do you have feelings? Well, Jonathan, do we need to talk to you about this? You know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, it's just unhealthy to be able to talk about it. What do you think? I am a big believer in, your identity shapes how you view the world. How you view your identity shapes how you view the world. Uh, if I see myself as a Christ follower first, that's going to shape the world differently than if I see myself as an American first. And right. we'll get into more of that this fall when we talk about politics. But when you look at other people, the identity you give them shapes how you view them as well. So when we give people in the LGBTQ community the, oh, they're gay, the gay label. That's right. who they are. When we, when we identify that person as that's their first and primary identifier, we do strip their humanity away from them. And mm -hmm. we didn't, we didn't look at the 17 year old who cheated on his girlfriend. We didn't say, Hey, he's the adulterer. Right. And that was what we viewed him as. We didn't, look at the 16 year old mean girl and call her the gossiper mm -hmm. and label her as that. But the kid who had same sex attraction, that's the gay kid, right? That's That's gay. Brandon. That's, right. that's yeah. lesbian Lucy or yeah. whatever it is. And so we made that their primary identifier and viewed them that way when that was nowhere near the way Jesus viewed them. Right. Well, let me jump in real quick because I think what what's important to, to distinguish in there is I think we're talking like '90s, early 2000s here too. So this was even before some of that identifier had been really, I don't know if you want to call it reclaimed by the gay community. But yeah, I would literally hear Christians use an article before the word "gay" and just said that's the gay, or we talked about the gays, like, mm -hmm. and thinking about it now. Oh man, that, how, how dehumanizing was that? It totally stripped people's humanity and caused us to look at them as less than human, as right. less than us. Right. And you look at people who are our age now and we're trying to deprogram and unlearn these yes. past things that were like, we shouldn't have said that. And I mean, there's all the jokes about our old uncles who still say things they shouldn't, yep. but, but they were the ones who taught us. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't want to be the old uncle who was out of touch and saying things around the Thanksgiving or Christmas table, we've got to unlearn the things that were bad from when we were growing up. Right. So 
as as we dive more into what was bad about our approach, I think one of the things that was obvious where we got it wrong was that we approached the entire LGBTQ community as adversaries and just treated them terribly. Right. Because we, we put that identity on them because we labeled them as sinners different from us, mm-hmm. us being normal, straight people. I say normal air quotations because right. that's the way we viewed ourselves. That was our mentality. Yeah. 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 Yes. It, it was, it was an us versus them type of thing. And just the way that we justified our sins versus that sin yeah. was totally 100% wrong. Yeah, I agree. And I think even if you step back and you look at it from in general, the way that we would approach somebody's lifestyle and worldview, you know, and I think over the years for me, it's, it's been really telling to go like, why on earth would I keep someone else accountable to rules that they don't identify with. So let's just talk about the that they haven't you know, chosen to identify with. Correct. Either. Yeah. Right. 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 So let's let's just separate out. I know that there are, uh, and we could talk about the 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 people who identify as homosexual in the Christian community, and then let's talk specifically about those who don't identify as Christian. Uh, why on earth would I hold anyone to a a Christian rule? you know, religious practices or anything else like that when they haven't chosen to even be in that in the first place. And so I think that's one, one like eye opening one to, to step back and go, Oh, I mean, it's one thing to talk about, uh, actions and beliefs and things like that for people who have opted in and said, yes, I'm a Christian, you know, like, and, and especially someone who has asked me personally to hold them accountable or to help train them. So Jonathan, or ask your opinion. Or ask your opinion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if I said, Jonathan, I, you know what, you, you and I, we, we're, we're in relationship now, and I want you to help keep me accountable to this. Or what do you think about this decision that I've made or this lifestyle choice that I have? That's completely different than somebody, some rando on the internet or some rando in some church talking about someone that has nothing Westboro to do. Westboro Baptist holding up signs that, yes, I apologize for saying this. I'm not even going to say it. Um, but the signs that they were holding up and picketing all sorts of funerals and events, right. things like that. Well, I mean, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we could do this, the, the, uh, tame ones. I mean, signs that say God hates gays like that. I was thinking the other word. Uh, yes. Right. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm thinking the, the tame ones. But yeah, so that that for me is like the relationship between two people that are that aren't Christian, aren't subject to Christian rules. So Christian, th- this is this this is me bringing out some Southern Baptists. Like Christian, you need to hear this. I don't know who needs to hear this out there, <laughs> but the relationship or the actions of people that aren't Christians are not subject to Christian rules. Yes, there are laws. Yes, there are other things like that. But like, if it's a Christian rule, you cannot hold them to something that they have said that, that like that they have not opted into. And then on the other hand, like, you know, when you talk about even even in the in bringing where the church's voice is on gay marriage, and I I'm not going to speak for you or anybody else, but to me, I'm just sitting here going like, uh, are we? Why? Why do we care so much about that topic? I don't have a definitive answer on why, but yes, digging, we're going to do an entire episode on gay marriage this fall. Uh, but yeah, but digging through that and going like, why do I care if two people love each other and want to have the same, uh, what do we want to say? Tax benefits and other, uh, other political 
you know, and social healthcare benefits, healthcare, welfare benefits as a straight couple. Why should I care? So those are some things It just, it just seemed very, very much like we were missing the mark uh, and hypocritical. And why would the, why, of all the things in the world, why is the church deciding to, to put its voice on that? Cause I think it, it takes away from uh, one, it takes away from other more important issues that the church can focus on. And two, it also comes across as extremely hypocritical uh, when considering other things that the church turns a blind eye to. But so let's, let's go there for a second. So the Bible has very specific teachings on divorce. Very specific. Who can divorce? Jesus specifically. Who can, who can divorce? Who cannot divorce? Who can then remarry? Who can then not remarry? And what would be considered adultery if they remarry? But in the church, we justified all those things. Uh-huh. Because we knew people who were divorced, we knew their situation, we showed them empathy. And we showed them the empathy that we never gave the LGBTQ community. We would justify our own sins while going after other people's sins. Yep. And that was not fair. That was not loving. We equate, it gets back to the idea. We equated that, that singular sin of homosexuality and basically said your salvation was dependent on if you like to have sex with the people of your same sex or the opposite sex, right? If you like to have sex with the same thing you are, then Jesus did not die for you. You cannot go to heaven. Right. And so you look at it, even focus on the family who was one of the most conservative groups in the country. They said, they say, before we say anything else, please know that being gay doesn't send anybody to hell. God uses only one fact to judge the world and determine who is saved and who isn't faith in Jesus Christ. Yet in the church and in youth group, we made it sound like, yeah, okay. You can believe Jesus, but if you don't turn from this one sin, even though our deacons are alcoholics, even yep. though our pastor's covering up a extramarital affair, if you do not turn from your homosexuality and pray the gay away, you're going to hell. Right. Yeah. And that, and that was something that, uh, is incredibly damaging. Let's say also to the Christian that hears that message, um, who doesn't identify in that way, because what it completely does is it, is it gives you that kind of grace plus one, you know what I mean? There's like this, like grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know about grace, but, and you know, that's another topic for another day too. Uh, this, this whole idea that there was grace and there was Jesus, but really, I think we use that we have our own axes to grind because of whatever we want or because of whatever we're afraid of. If we're being honest, there's a lot of people out there that really want to kind of stand up against some of these issues because they're more afraid than anything else. And so we acknowledge grace with lip service, but then go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, we all know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like if you do this this is real bad. Or, you know, we put these dogmatic rules in place where uh, we try to keep certain people out or we try to keep certain people on the on the outskirts and other them when uh, Jesus never called us to do that. I mean, he caught a, a man and woman in the act of adult. He, well, I don't know that he caught them, but a man and not. woman were, were, yeah, right, were actively and caught. According to, <laughs> according to the law, 
three people had to catch them in the act. They could, right. and by in the act, it was not like they were naked and sleeping together in the same bed. In the act meant there was literally something going in something else, <laughs> and they saw that happen. Yeah. And so they pulled them out of that naked and brought them to Jesus. Right. So like well, not them. Excuse me. Not them. They brought the her, woman, which yeah, is a right. totally different conversation for a different right. day. So, I mean, but think about that interaction, you know, that, that obviously in the act of, of adultery, that is one of, I mean, that's one of the big ones, if you think about it. And Jesus didn't other her, Jesus didn't treat her that way. Jesus didn't go like, Hey, yeah, you know, Hey, uh, I'm here in love and grace and all that. But like, you really screwed up and, uh, we're going to put a mark on you. We're going to put a label on you. Uh, you're not going to be allowed to serve in any of our ministries now. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to get, put some kind of conversion therapy on you for adultery conversion therapy. We, we need to, you know, pray the adultery away. Like that didn't happen. That, that didn't happen. He didn't ostracize her in front of everybody else. He did say, neither do I, who, who condemns you? Neither do I go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. So the sin no more piece is where a lot of people are thinking right now, especially if you come from a conservative background, but Jonathan, but Eric, right. this is a sinful issue. And I don't disagree with you in my theology personally, but one of the things we did not mention, and I don't necessarily fault us a ton for not mentioning this back then, because I don't think we had the language for it, but I was not taught and did not realize until recently recently, probably in the last five years, that the LGBTQ community is as diverse theologically as the straight community. I automatically thought that they were atheists and Satanists and pedophiles and sexual deviants at worst. Because that's what we were led to believe. That's what I was led to believe. Right. But what I didn't know is that there's no overarching consensus thought when it comes to how the how to view the gospel and Christianity within the gay community. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little nerdy here for a second. And part We're of saying within the gay Christian community, right? Yes, yeah, yeah the okay. gay Christian community, or even like some people in the gay community that haven't necessarily given their life to Jesus, but they have studied the scriptures yeah. because there are people who do that. If you don't know these words, this is going to be a little new to you. But there are what's called side A Christians, side B Christians, and side X Christians in the way that this would be explained. And I'm getting these definitions from um, Equip Your Community. It's a Christian nonprofit whose mission is to help churches become places where LGBTQ plus Christians can belong and thrive according to a traditional sexual ethic. So these are people who, it's led by a gay Christian man who believes that God's design for marriage was between a man and a woman. So uh, this isn't some super progressive organization. Uh, so I, I tried to get a middle of the road type of definition here. So the way they would describe this is that side A Christians say that God makes people gay. He blesses same-sex marriage in the same way he blesses opposite sex marriages. Uh, side A Christians, this is me speaking now, not them. They believe that many of the verses we traditionally use that condemn homosexuality, that those are mistranslated or taken out of context. And quite frankly, those side A Christians, while I haven't gotten to the same result they have, many of them have honestly studied scriptures a lot more than many of us who would just say gay is bad. Mm -hmm. They have taken the time to truly study and learn these things. Side B Christians, 
they say that same-sex attraction is not what God intended and as a result of the fall. This is uh, the nonprofit again. But we do not choose who we are attracted to, and there is no formula for changing one's attractions. There is no context for same-sex sexual or romantic activity that God blesses, so they are sins. God calls all Christians to a vocation of celibacy or marriage with someone of the opposite sex. That's side B. That's where a lot of people in the Christian world that are uh, trying to walk this line, that's probably where a lot of us fall. We, We may not live that way, and we'll get to that in a second, but a lot of churches are trying to walk that side B line now. The side X line says same-sex attraction Christians must reject their attractions and work towards changing their attractions. Continuing to experience same-sex attraction is a sign of willful disobedience and or lukewarm sanctification. Homosexuality in any form is sinful. God intends for all people to marry someone of the opposite sex. So Eric, I think most of us probably grew up in predominantly side X churches. And I would guess that that's the majority of our audience. And we grew up in places where the idea of side A or side B wasn't even presented. So the idea of following Jesus while being gay is something that personally I never considered until I was actually in ministry. In my upbringing, if someone was gay, there was no way they were a Christian. They were either gay or Christian, but not both. Sure. Yeah. And and I think even approaching all these, these three, you know, I definitely have been in and involved with side X and I've worked for uh, side B and I see that that's kind of the way. And I think that there's this, you know, I, I would say that that side A is, is where you probably hear the words and I don't think that they used it in their definition as I'm scanning through again, but like, that's where you hear open and affirming, right? That's the big yes. separation for churches. And I, you know, being a, being a former communications director for mega churches, that would be a big, that, that would be a big, uh, how do I want to put this? That, that, that would be a point of contention is in your conversations and in your language, um, that was kind of shorthand for, is this just smoke and mirrors or do you really, um, do you really accept, uh, people in the, in the gay community is because if you don't say that you're open and affirming, um, then, you know, that puts you in either side B or side X. And so I think over the years, uh, yeah, you're right. Like I've, I've been in, I've been in the side X experience, been in the side B experience. And I think what I'm trying to do in this season is open my mind up to hearing from, from alternate opinions, uh, to help wrestle through some of this. So I, I wouldn't be able to say that there's a, a firm spot where I would land between side A, side B and side X, but for for those situations, what's helping me. I can firmly be, say side X, I think is wrong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Yes. Uh, I, I apologize. I should say that side X is definitely wrong. I would not go there, but to go through, like, I guess what I'm saying is like theologically trying to, uh, help unlearn some of the things that were bad. I want to make sure that I'm not, uh, I'm not, unintentionally leaving in some bad things or, or not opening my mind up to something else that could be good too. So, you know, I've, I've tried to, to figure out where 
the side A perspective is coming from. And so some of the verses on on homosexuality, uh, do they really get mis- mistranslated uh, from pedophilia or, you know, what are what what's the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Covenant, New to- Covenant? You know, Jesus said certain things, but he also was silent on homosexuality as far as directly addressing it. So, you know, there's there's a lot and of that. what so, is prescriptive versus what is descriptive. Correct. And so when these situations come up, because again, I'm saying I'm not making I'm not making a call and I'm not making a call for anybody else. But here's where I think we can all agree is that if if there's a situation where I am not settled on what the theology is, which I don't know that there are many, of you know, like the closed fisted versus open handed type of things. Like if there's if you're not settled that this is a undeniable closed fisted thing, which is where I'm at, I'm not settled there. I'm going to back up and I'm going to say, okay, what? What do I know, and what am I, uh, what am I firm on when it comes to theology? And that's the way that you're going to treat people, right? Because, like for me, I am not. There is no quote unquote struggle for uh, same sex attraction for me. That's not something that I'm, you know, what you would consider in the old language struggling with. That's not a, uh, you know, that's that's not something I identify with. So it's almost like, why am I even? Why am I even digging into that and concerned with it on a lot of fronts? And it's not really my, that's not as much my business as my business is to love and provide grace for everyone I come across, no matter what their preferences, their labels, how God created them, X, Y, Z. And so if there's anything in your theology that undercuts the other part that's certain, uh, then maybe the theology needs some examining. Yeah. As I go through the continual unlearning phase, and as I learn more about just different pieces of how the Bible has been translated to where we stand today in 2022, because I do believe that the Bible is the inspired work of God, that in its original form, it was completely inerrant. But I do know that we are in a sinful world and things have been There have been agendas over the last 2,000 years in the way the Bible has been translated. One example of that, that if you want to look more into this, you can, is the Junia versus Junius thing um, there, where for a long time, the name Junia, which is a female, was translated to be Junius, which would be a male, so that women were kept out of leadership in any sort. Mm. So there have been examples of things mistranslated because of an agenda. You can look at even the ESV and some of the things now, there are certain things that were chosen based off of certain theological preferences. So I know that things have been translated to, so I'm open to the idea of, well, maybe some of this stuff we did get wrong and maybe we, we aren't. So, so currently I would say that I hold a side B view of homosexuality that in my study, that's where I land, that God's design for sex is between a man and a woman. God's desire design for marriage is between a man and a woman. If you want to have that conversation of how I got to that point and where I currently stand, I'm glad to have that on social. Uh, so reach out and we can have that conversation, but I don't want to get bogged down into those details here. But what I have learned, two things, I want to hit two things here. I think even though I hold that theological belief, ultimately the great commandment 
is love others as you love God. And so even if I have a different theological belief, I have to, and I think I probably should love people who are different than me even more to, to earn the right to potentially give an opinion on something else in the future. There's the old saying, earn the right to be heard. And I want to make sure I'm loving everyone the way Jesus loves them, even if I disagree with them on a theological point. And I don't know that homosexuality is a major theological point that is worth the fighting that we have done in the past. So that's one side of this. The other side of this is that if I'm honest, I want to be a side A Christian. Mm-hmm. I want to be in a place where I can say, you know what? I think God thinks it's okay. Mm-hmm. I think as long as you love God, you believe in Jesus, that then you you confess your sins, that everything else is okay. I I want to get to a point where I can say that because I think that is, it's, honestly, it's easier, mm-hmm. but also it's a more accepting and inclusive way of life. I haven't gotten there yet theologically. And so where I am struggling and the wrestling I'm doing internally is, is my desire for homosexuality to be quote unquote, okay. Is that from a sinful culture that's corrupting my theology or is that the Holy spirit prompting me to be open to something that maybe that is different from what I was taught growing up? And I don't know the answer to that yet. Yeah, I think that's, I love what you said about that, the greatest commandment, you know, loving others as you love God. Um, and it, as you were saying, it just prompted me to think like, there are plenty of things that I don't understand about God. There are plenty of things I don't understand about um, God's motivations, God's, you know, even God's will, all of that stuff. Like you, to say that you fully understand God would be, just false, <laughs> you know, like it, right. Uh, the most arrogant thing you could actually say. Yes. Yeah. That's probably red flag. Number one, that you don't understand God. Uh, but so if I, if I can love God and trust God and be, and, and be in relationship with God, even though I don't fully understand him, um, and he calls me to love others the same, then maybe some of us need to hear that today. That's because you don't understand someone else's lifestyle it may be easier for you uh, to post that comment on Facebook or to say that thing in at Thanksgiving that could be perceived as hurtful or bigoted or whatever else. When in reality, it's like, hey, it, are you open enough to loving things that you don't understand? Or do you have to understand everything about something or even agree with it to understand? Because there's plenty of things about God that I don't agree with. You know, like I like you said, like I would love to be on certain sides that I, I don't think is, is great. Like why, why, do, why do bad things happen? I'd also love people? to be a universalist, but yeah, I can't get we, there theologically either. We mentioned that during our heaven and hell episode too. It's like, yeah, I mean, that would, wouldn't, if you love God, wouldn't you root for everyone going to heaven regardless of what happens? Right. You know, and if you love God, wouldn't you just want everybody? So, so yeah, we're in that spot. So I think, I think that's great. I think the other thing that, that came up for me was there's a, an author, uh, his name's Caleb Kaltenbach. He's a pastor and an author, and he's got a book called Messy Grace. And I I uh, read that years back, and um, 
I really agree with a lot of the principles of talking about grace being in that messy middle spot between truth and love. And so uh, that's where grace comes in, in this in this intersection that's extremely messy between truth and love. But the other thing that he says, because if I'm going to get it wrong, I want to interrupt you real quick. If I'm going to get it wrong, I want to get it wrong on the side of grace and love. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's where if I'm going to err, let me err on the side of grace. Yeah, that's that's where I want to be, because ultimately it's not my it's not up to me who's sinning and who's not and what's a sin and what's not. It's up to me to I'm being commanded to love others. But anyway, so Kaltenbach in his book, one of the quotes that he has is something along the lines of, you know, talking about Christians who have have changed their theological view, which is exactly what we're talking about, like wrestling with that theological view. And he said, most Christians I know who have changed their view on this tender issue have done so because someone they love came out to them. And man, how, how I mean, often what, do you see that? Well, what I would, what I would say is for those of you who are maybe in that spot where you are a side X or like a side X flavored side B, maybe this issue has not uh, become real to you because you don't have anyone in your life that you love and care about. Uh, that identifies this way. And I I mean, this is like going back 20, 30 years and talking about like for white people, like, oh, the, oh, I, you know, I'm not a racist. I've got a black friend, you know, like <laughs> just by saying, oh, I, I don't, I'm not bigoted and I don't, I, I don't whatever, because I know, I know the, the gay down the street, you know, it's like, okay, first of all, you can't say that. Number one, that already outs you as someone <laughs> who's, who's probably not in the right spot, but it's like, I'm in relationship with people that I love dearly who identify as LGBTQ plus. And it's like that changes things for you on two fronts. One, that's where that, that feel you, it, it makes it more important for you to really dig into the theology. But on the other side, it's also made it very obvious. Like if someone doesn't identify as a Christian, to me, that side a B and X should be very easy. If someone does not identify as a Christian, can we all just agree that it does not matter what your love theology them. is? You love them. You don't call them a sinner. You don't do any of that stuff. You don't treat them in the painful ways the church has treated them. Where it gets where it gets sticky and where it gets messy is I think the the biggest issue is like the the idea of uh church leadership. How how are they involved in in church? You know, church membership, church leadership, church, baby dedications, all, all, all of things. that, all, you know, weddings and marriages and stuff like all of that. And I think as a church, you, you got to wrestle with that A and B side. And if you're an X, then I don't know what to do. Like be gone from me. I'll, I'll wipe the dust <laughs> off my sandals. Cause that's just whatever anyway. But yeah, so I think that's, that's the key. So I've backed up into going, it's been a lot easier for me to go. Okay. Whatever it says, theologically doesn't matter in the way that I treat people, right? So that's that's where I land on that one. And to our church leaders who listen to this, because we do have a good amount of current youth pastors, current church leadership, I think the one thing I'd say to you all is this topic from a church leadership standpoint is a totally different conversation than from a yes Christian, everyday Christian, Christian life standpoint. Yeah. Yep. This is a different conversation from a church leadership standpoint that we probably don't even have time to go into because we're already Correct. running super long today. Uh, so just know that when, when we talk about this, this is how we interact with people. This yes. isn't necessarily how uh, a, a pastor should lead their church or yep. their ministry or anything like that. So uh, maybe we'll talk about that one day. Maybe we won't. 
But I, the thing I think I want to leave with is, and thank you if you're still listening because this has been long and we're, <laughs> we're, we're longer than normal, but we knew this would be a 20 minute t- conversation or it'd go 45 and it's looking like 45 at this point. I have breakfast once a month with a friend of mine who's a pastor. I mentioned this episode to him when last time we were having breakfast together because I valued his opinion on it. And he told me a story of how he has a family member who is gay and that family member is in a same-sex marriage. He told me that years ago when this first started coming together where the family member was getting in their same-sex relationship, he wanted to love that family member really well. And so he treated him just like he would as if he was in a male-female marriage. Still invited to family functions, to dinners, to all those things. And it feels weird to point out that people would do that, that you would treat someone like that like any loving human would. But given the way the church has approached gayness, uh, this story is probably the exception more than the norm. And so one of the results of having this family member and their spouse over regularly was that he had to have talks with his kids, his daughters at a young age about homosexuality. And I haven't had those talks with my kids yet, uh, thankfully, but I know they're coming. But the way that he said he approached it, and this is the way I hope I approach it in the future, and I think is a good way to approach things, at least while you're wrestling with this. He didn't elevate it to some boogeyman status. He didn't turn his family member into a raging heathen who's going to hell. Instead, he taught his daughters to love their family member the same way they love anyone else who did things out of the way God designed it. Because as he pointed out, we all do things all the time that are outside of the way God designed it, that are outside of the way that God thought was best for us. And so he framed it as that. He didn't elevate it. He called it a sin. He called it different than God designed it, which that's where I would land right now theologically. So I, so I agree with that. But he taught his daughters to love them the way they would love any other person and that it didn't make them any less of a person because they had that attraction. Hmm. And as we think about moving forward, it comes down to the loving others well. And if we can model that for our kids, for our students, I would rather err on that side of things than err on the way that we did in the past. Yeah. And we've had some of those conversations with our kids because we have family members and close friends that um, are married to their partners. Uh, And, you know, when you have a kid who's eight, nine or 10 asking you these questions, um, I think the, the stepping back from being inside the Christian bubble has helped me, uh, like you said, not to make it a boogeyman, not to put it, put the dare situation in there where you're actually opening them up to all sorts of questions and things that they're not quite ready for. Uh, because at the same time, you know, it's like, I, if, if they talk about, if we talk about uh, a heterosexual couple that's getting married, I'm not sitting in there talking about the plumbing or how the, uh, you know, how the, how their <laughs> wedding night's going to work out. Like, I'm serious. Like you don't, you wouldn't do that. I just didn't you, expect you to say plumbing. Well, but you, you wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? Like that's not, so we try to approach it the same way we would anybody else. Because again, if someone doesn't identify, like I'm right now, I'm not leading in a church, so I don't have to worry about what the, what the doctrinal statement is or how you're going to, you know, handle certain labels and things like that. But 
you know, we just, we, we talk about how we love people and we don't make it weird. And it's like, you know how some people have, have mommies and daddies. Well, some people have two daddies. Some people have one daddy. Some people have one mommy. Some people have two mommies and making it normal because guess what Christians, this is not going away. And so the more you make it weird with you and your kids and everything else, the more you're going to be the weirdo. And so if you can just say, this is what happens in our life and teach your kids to love them well anyway, or love them well, and not even like bring that up as an issue as like why there might be some reason why there might be an issue. Cause we wouldn't do the same thing for people who are overweight. We don't do the same thing for people who are divorced. We don't do the same thing for other situations like that. Like I don't, I wouldn't tell my kids, Hey, yeah, that person over there, uncle so-and-so or aunt so-and-so, uh, they had an affair with somebody else, which means they're an adulterer, but we still love them. Don't we, you know, like we don't put that label on them and add those other things because at this point they're, they're people and we love people and we love them regardless. And on the flip side, what I would say, and this is going back to sort of what I was saying a second ago as well, my theology is in line with my friend that I was telling you about. So to teach that, that that's out of God's design, I think that's where I would land currently. But if you're on the other side of that, if you are more of a side A Christian and you believe that homosexuality is okay and not a sin and that, one thing I think we have to do on that side of thing is we can't just go and openly almost, I can't think of the word I want to use right here, but, but overly celebrate and put that on a pedestal as well. We can't swing the pendulum so far to the other side that, uh, here. So in the same way as we don't make, uh, as the same way as like a side ex Christian would make homosexuality that label, um, I think anytime we do that with anything, we are all more than just labels. And so, you know, I'm not going running around and being like, oh, man, I well, <laughs> some churches do this where they talk about their smoking hot wives and stuff like that. But like you don't need to label you as being defined as what goes on. That's where I'm that. getting. That's exactly yeah. where I'm going. We, we don't need to swing the pendulum back the other way to where it's it's putting that on a pedestal in a different direction. Yeah. It doesn't define you. I guess that would be, that would be what I'd say is like, it doesn't define you either way. way. So that's, that's it. So no matter what, what it is that our identity is in Jesus, our identity is children of God who God sent his son to die for us, to save us from hell. If we put our faith and our trust in him and ask him to forgive us of our sins, that Mm -hmm. is our identity first and foremost. And as we move forward, we have to put that at the forefront as opposed to these labels and identifiers that we have chosen to do in the past. Yeah. And I, and I agree with that because the, the other side is for someone who doesn't identify as a Christian, for me, their label and their identity is they are someone uh, who God created and who God loves. And so it's like, and who Jesus still did all those other things for Jesus. Them. They just haven't put it. his faith in him, their faith in him yet. Right. Yeah. So like, and that's not, that's not, mine to wrestle with you wrestle, you know, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You don't work out someone else's salvation with fear and trembling. So that's where it's like my job in all of this 
is not to label people one way or the other. The only label I have is this is someone that God loves. So this is someone that I love. And that's the bottom line with, if you're struggling with conversations with your kids, um, and I don't know where you are theologically when you're listening to this, but this is where I am at, at the top. Like I said, because I can't dial down into the individual and say, I firmly believe these certain things. What I can back up to is to say, let's default to this, that this is someone who God loves. Therefore, it's someone that I need to love. Well, what about this is someone who God loves. Therefore, it's someone I, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nope. This is someone who God loves. Therefore, it's someone that I love. And I'm not going to do unloving things to those people. I'm not going to, you know, label, point out, do, you know, or other them uh, like the church has done for many, many years. And so many churches continue to do. That's not what I'm called to do. And until I figure out more about A, B, X, Y, Z, whatever the, the, the deep theological statement is, that's what's going to guide me personally in my interactions. Love God above all else and love people like Jesus loved us. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, we're 48 minutes into this, and that's what it comes down to. Right. Love God above everything and love people the way Jesus loved us. And it's going to be messy, and there's going to be a tension. And I think that you have to be okay with that. And I think so much of the Christian experience, especially in youth group growing up, is we tried to make things easy for people to understand. We tried to simplify it and make it palatable. But what that does is it it ends up uh, whitewashing or bleaching out the intricacies and the rough edges that I think that we all need to live in and struggle in those organic uh, pieces that aren't simply black and white. But what I do know is black and white is you love God above all else, you love others. The way you do that, that's messy. But I think that's part of what grace means. That's a good place for us to stop this week because we went way long. And thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for struggling with us in this. Next week, we are closing out the season. And this feels this is such a weird transition, Eric. And I apologize because it's like a whiplash. But next week's episode is called Perverts and Princesses. There we go. We're going to be talking about how we taught kids that girls are pure and fragile princesses while guys are dirty, dirty perverts. That's the right. idea that girls could even have sexual attractions, that was never even on the table. Mm -hmm. But we made guys' sexuality their entire identity while not even allowing girls to explore the idea that they could have sexuality much less encouraging them to own their sexuality. So mm. we'll talk about what was bad about that and where we go from here moving forward. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe, rate and review the show. Send this to a friend if you enjoyed the conversation. Thanks again for hanging out with us longer than normal and we will see you next week. Have a great week. Days will be in